You are listening to the MB Creativity Podcast Series. Conversations on tapping into creativity and imagination to get the most out of your work day to day. Hello, it's Martin Bursen from mbcreativity.com. Thank you for joining me. This podcast has a different format than my previous ones. In this podcast, I am welcoming a guest. I met my guest in my business work and had the pleasure of working with him on many occasions. He is introducing himself. My name is Llewellyn Apmarden. I'm a composer and a member of a band in London. As I am fascinated by creativity and how creativity works in both music and business, and I'm continuously seeking the overlap, I was delighted that Llewellyn agreed to do an interview with me. It's uh, well, it's a pleasure to, to uh, be invited. Thank you. Llewellyn has worked extensively in the musical domain and is involved with many aspects of musical creativity. I've worked in a, a lot of different, um, a lot of different forms and sides of music. Uh, really trained as a classical musician, as a composer. Um, I've worked in opera. Um, I've worked um, with children, um, uh, writing music for children, um, electronic music, uh, and more recently um, working with the with the band I'm in, Prep, um, which is kind of increasingly taking up more and more of my time at the moment. He's also working in business environments and explains how he started working in business and what some of his activities are. Kind of alongside um, music, I've kind of always, um, well, I got, I got involved with uh, what you'd call kind of knowledge working, um, first of all with uh, Capgemini. Essentially what I've been doing is to help, um, helping to organize and run, uh, call them meetings, they're sort of, you know, uh, <laughs> fancy meetings uh, to, to that the, the, they're there to kind of reach some sort of decision. Uh, so, uh, generally part of a team to help deliver that event, which will be for clients, usually clients that have something they need to think about and they don't want to just do it in a kind of traditional way. They, they, they want some people to come in and, and help them reach that decision. In the upcoming minutes, we discuss how creativity and imagination work for his improvisation on stage his composing work, and finally, how he uses his creativity to create value for his clients in a business environment. My first question was, how do you start a composition, and what are some of the core ideas you use when composing? Yeah, I mean, I think that that, I mean, it can happen in a, di a lot of different ways. Um, Sometimes, you know, you might get inspiration from something else, something else, uh, another piece of music out there in the world, and, and that could be your germ of an idea. Or sometimes it's through improvisation and ideas that come up just when you're, you know, playing around and not really necessarily focusing on creating something, but something something new might pop up and you think, okay, that's good. Um, or it could be a, sometimes just a kind of, an idea or a feeling, you know, and, and that you try and capture in some way and, and, and see, and see what comes out. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't say there's one way to begin a composition, but usually you need a thread, you know, a little germ of an idea, and then you need to sort of follow that. 
So you, so you, you need that spark. That spark can kind of come from a lot of different places, I think. I asked if he is aware of musical parameters or the emotion and mood he wants to pursue at the start of creating a composition and how this influences his process. Well, I guess I'll usually have an idea of the sort of thing it's going to be. Uh, like I'll, I'll have a sort of feeling for the sort of piece I want to make before I start. I mean, but then having said that, it's it's quite often happened that, you know, you, you try and like push the music in a certain direction and then it's not going so well. And then you do some other little thing and you think, oh, yeah, that's that's it. And start doing that. But, you know, that might e equally well then be a totally different feeling to what you um, what what you actually kind of set out to do. But it's I think it's important to learn to go with those um, those moments, because often by following that, the thing that really interests you, you, you'll get something good and maybe something you weren't really expecting. So I'd say, yes, starting with an, a conception, but then that doesn't always wind up being what you create. This was actually a pretty good description of the lateral thinking process, where one idea leads to another by association. Important to understand is that all ideas are valuable, how bad they might look at first, as they are needed to move to the next idea. When we work in the band, um, you know, sometimes we'll start a song and, and, and have all these chords and everything, and then... Um, and then, you know, we do a new section and think, oh, the new section is far better than the other stuff. So we get rid of all the stuff, how we started it and take the new section as the basis for the whole song. So, yeah, you, you have to be ready to throw things away. I think that's really important. I mean, of course, it can be very difficult because, you know, you love these little things that you've created. Um, but you've got to be sort of honest, you know, what works, what doesn't work, what, what interests you really. Uh, and, and you've got to follow that. The conversation then moved to improvisation. I started this part of the interview asking Llewellyn what improvisation is to him and what his approach is to improvising in a live musical setting. Yeah, I mean, improvisation is something I've kind of been thinking about a lot recently. And um, it's kind of from, from coming from a position, you know, having always been a sort of composer locked away in a room with a piano, just tinkling away, you know, not, not on the bandstand. Um, and so, you know, when you, when you, when you write a piece, when you compose a piece of music, you know, you have all day to write, uh, 30 seconds of music if you want. Whereas improvising is, you know, the act of writing 30 seconds of music in 30 seconds. And so, um, whereas kind of improvising has always been part of what I've done, this kind of improvising on stage and the library is the sort of thing you'd have studied a lot of was kind of relatively foreign to me. Um, but over the last few years, I, I really came to understand how central that is and how central it's been to the experience of, of, of musicians uh, almost uh, um, entirely uh, in, in, in previous times and in cultures across the world. Uh, improvisation has been, you know, almost the, the, the main form of expression. Um, I mean, uh, you know, any any of the people you'd see as the great composers, you know, you, you picture them scribbling away, writing at a desk, but they were equally well could have been improvising in public at the piano. And very often these composers were able to improvise vast tracts of music 
in their own styles. And what they chose to wrote down was was just, you know, the best of what they, they came up with. Or, or in fact, uh, people say about Chopin that, um, you know, his uh, his compositions are a pale imitation of his improvisations. So what I've tried to do over the last few years is really to try and work my way towards uh, improvisation and towards um, being able to play, essentially being able to play whatever you hear in your head uh, without having a sort of gap, you know, because you, you, you imagine something and then you need to work out what the notes are and then you need to play them on your instrument and just trying to make that process um, as automatic as possible. But of course, it's, you know, it's, it's a long journey. We then talked about how you actually can get better in improvising and what he noticed in his playing as he progressed. Yeah, it's a, I mean, teaching improvising is, is a good question. And it's, it's, it's something that I think um, sort of at some point fell out of favor in the 20th century, uh, even though teaching uh, how to improvise was a big part of musical education in the 19th century. And, and especially, I mean, in classical music, you know, people started to think that was the realm of jazz or pop music and, and that it, it, it uh, didn't have any place in classical music, which was kind of a shame and uh a, a tragedy almost really um uh i think the process of how you do it i mean there's there's a lot of technical work to do um to just improve your your musical ear um and uh, a certain amount of theoretical work with chords and scales etc um i think there's also a kind of maybe deeper side which is about um truly playing what you here inside um and not it's very easy to let your hands just get carried away and play the same patterns and things that you've always played but very often i find that's just what you that's just inbuilt patterns you learned it, i think really the great thing is to try and get away from those patterns uh, and really just be playing very freely and to be doing that honestly you know it, it's kind of easy to trick yourself into thinking you're doing that so so yeah, various various things, and 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 I think you can you can teach improvisation certainly. Uh, so there's going to be yeah a technical aspect, and also a side to it is actually just memorization, memorization of other people's music, like in jazz, transcribing solos from other other players and learning that vocabulary. You know, the more vocabulary you have, the 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 sort of more idea. You know, the more is there for you to use, I guess. I then asked a really tough-to-answer question. I asked what, in his opinion, makes a good improviser. For me, um, it uh, it comes back to the thing of uh, somebody who, because you can you can improvise really by learning patterns and licks, um, and some people are amazing um, at doing that, but. For me, it's about somebody who who kind of goes beyond that point, um, and because you know you could you could memorize a whole load of licks and play them all, but you you'd never be able to actually sing what you're playing. Um, you, it's just kind of memorize muscle memory patterns. Um, but I think a great improviser somehow embodies the music. I mean, I I, I made a program about this. Um, Venezuelan pianist called Gabriela Montero, who's an incredible improviser, um, 
and I it was very interesting. I, I mean, I asked her if she'd ever studied theory, you know, what, how much theory she'd studied. And she said none. Um, she was doing it all very intuitively. She said she didn't know uh, the names of any of these chords that she was playing, which I kind of thought was extraordinary uh, because, you know, generally you feel like somebody has to go through a very r rigorous training. Um, so, you know, when she plays... Uh, it is coming directly from her, from her brain, you know, and you, and I feel like you can, you can feel that, uh, people speak, you know, when, when Miles Davis plays the trumpet, he seems to be speaking through the trumpet. And I think that that's, that's a great improviser when it, when it seems like they're, they're saying something, you know, when they're speaking and they're not just running through patterns that they've got from other players or from a book or something like that. Of course, when improvising, there are influences. Your own physical and mental condition, your mood, but also the musicians you are making music with and their input. Llewellyn talks about how this is shaping his musical performance. I think in music anyway, uh, you're always influenced by the outside world. I mean, I said, I, you know, I said it comes completely from, in, it should come in, from inside, but really a, a, there is a, a subconscious aspect to that. You know, we've all been in, influenced by um, the music we've heard and the music we've memorized and, and the music under our fingers. Um, and so, yes, absolutely, that, that's, that's there and that is the outside world. Um, of course, you you know you could be influenced by um, just not just musical things, you know, emotional things. I mean, it depends how you're feeling. You might be feeling sad, you might be feeling happy, and that that's all going to come out in your improvisation. I mean, what do they say? You know, if you if you haven't lived it, it's not going to come out of your horn. Uh, yeah. It's like it's true, isn't it? Uh, you, you you kind of you need that, I think. And so, um, yeah. It, there's a side to it which is kind of quite abstract, but uh, you're also in, in the world, so I think that's part of it, yeah. Triggered by something Llewellyn said, I shared my story about listening for the first time to jazz legend John Coltrane's recording Interstellar Space, and how I couldn't understand what was happening, as my musical imagination was not developed to appreciate what was going on. Llewellyn then talks about how he stretched his imagination by listening and working out how to understand musical concepts. You know, I can I can also think of sort of similar examples of things that I um, I, I kind of didn't really understand. Uh, I think it's important, you know, people kind of talk about intuition, and intuition is very important. Your intuition might tell you, oh, I don't like this. I'm not going to pay attention to it, you know. But it, with some things, I think your intuition, it's possible for your intuition to be wrong as well. I, I mean, sometimes it's really worth digging into something, even if you might not appreciate it straight away at the beginning and, and, and really like seeing seeing what's in there. For example, the piece Les Nos by Stravinsky. I remember hearing it when I was a teenager and I really didn't understand it. Probably my experience was very similar to, to yours with Coltrane. Um and I listened to that piece again and again and again. I, I, I listened to it, you know, a couple of times a week, probably, for, for about a year. Um, and then, uh, and I think I then really started to understand what it was about and started to appreciate it. And sometimes it takes a very long time 
to to really understand something um and it's not necessarily kind of musical training it might just be the emotional side that you need to understand or something like that i mean just you know technically on a technical level i guess i i studied um uh like renaissance polyphony uh, in university and that's music that i never really particularly enjoyed uh, until i studied it and then you really through trying to make trying to write some of it you kind of realize how amazing it is um but yeah there's kind of many many examples from my life of music like that and and some of the more kind of challenging modernist music in the 20th century which really i i wouldn't uh, i wouldn't appreciate and then you know familiarity brings a kind of appreciation as well i think then he shared a fact i wasn't so much aware of and that is that classical composers like Beethoven or Mozart would perform in front of an audience by improvising on their own work or someone else's work. This is shown in a scene from the movie Amadeus, where Mozart improvises on a musical piece from his rival Salieri, showing his genius on the spot, much to the dismay of Salieri. Llewellyn shares a similar story. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of stories, you know, about the great, you know, the greats, uh, the great composers improvising. Uh, I mean, there's a great story about Beethoven because so, so um, it, at that period, you know, the classical period of kind of the early 19th century, it was quite common for um, to, there would be these sort of improvisation battles between composers and uh, each composer would be sponsored by uh, some rich rich guy you know and uh they would there would be two pianos in a room and uh, an audience and uh, one one player one, one uh, would play a theme one of the composers and the other composer had to play a variation on that theme and then the first one would play a variation on the variation and so on and they'd essentially be judged in a kind of gladiatorial fashion um and uh, there's a there's a famous story of what it's kind of virtuoso coming into town and thinking that he was going to make something of Beethoven, you know, and um, and they uh, they 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 I think they they kind of traded a little bit in this uh, piano battle, and and then Beethoven, um, this guy had written uh, I think some sort of chamber music piece. He stood up, picked up the cello part of uh, this guy's chamber music piece, turned the score upside down and played the first theme upside down and then proceeded to do the most fantastic improvisation on this upside down theme. And uh, this this virtuoso was never seen in Vienna again. <laughs> he <laughs> felt like he could never come back after what Beethoven had put him through. So it was, you know, it was pretty tough back in the, back in the day. In the last part of the interview, we zoom in on how improvisation can be of value to a person in a business environment, where there is a tendency to keep improvisation to a minimum, to prevent uncertainty and ultimately loss of money. Llewellyn talks about how improvisation has a benefit for any type of business environment and talks about the skills needed to do it. I think the important thing to stress is that um, when you, when you improvise, uh, you, you really, you, you know, you don't improvise from nothing. Uh, you, you have to work on the skill of improvisation and, and learning the skill as we were talking about earlier on. Um, nobody's improvising in a vacuum. Uh, and, uh, very often people are improvising within very, very strict, 
uh, rules. I mean, uh, you know, people joke about jazz musicians just making it all up. But if you're going to play, you know, straight ahead uh, jazz, it's it's very restricted, you know, really what you can play. There are notes in the scales you're not supposed to play and uh, you play these notes on on this chord, etc. Um, and so you're really, really working within a framework. Um, so, so I, I, I think that, uh, you know, pr processes and all of those things that that's important, right? But what you're doing is you're improvising within the structure, you're, you're improvising within the process. So, um, you know, I, I, one reason I sort of got involved with this was that I was interested in how people learn things and how groups meet, reach decisions. And I've always really been interested in that. And so, um, a part of it was this methodology, the, the M.G. Taylor methodology, which is about group, how groups reach decisions, which I've always found fascinating. Um, and this gives you a structure, you know, and generally we, we work within that structure. But within that structure, there's room to improvise. Um, and, uh, of course, you know, it's important not to become too rule bound, uh, too dogmatic. You know, if a, if a new new idea works well, yeah, sure, it worked on that event, but that doesn't mean it's going to work every time. It doesn't mean you have to do that every time. You know, there's there's often many, many solutions to one problem, um, and uh, you you should feel free to find those solutions. I mean, in fact, you know, most of these problems, there's, there's an infinite number of possibilities for solution. Um, and so it's important not to get tied down and dogmatic, because then everything becomes... Well, it becomes more boring for one thing, you know, and uh, it's uh, it's it's uh, inflexible for for your clients as well. So uh, I'd say, you know, don't be a, you'll be very much improvising within a structure. The structure has to be there. Um, you know, it's not chaos, uh, but within that, then you can improvise. Music is a business, and uh, the the kind of organization and uh, time management, and uh, you know, even things down to uh, <laughs> keeping projects organized and things uh and um you know these are all very important things in music and uh, certainly uh, you know kind of running the band uh, it's a, we're running a small business uh and so things that i've picked up in the business environment have been really really useful for that um to think about it the other way around um i mean i, I you know i uh, i suppose in a way, you know, I, I've always been brought into business environments because I bring this 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 different perspective to things, um, uh, and, and maybe don't, you know, bring a fresh pair of eyes in. I guess um, I I like to think that um, yes, I, as I was saying, there's something about that sense of doing things differently and improvising and not being dogmatic, which I hope that. I've been able to bring into business world. Another thing which I definitely learned from musical training was practicing um, and skill and, and skill improvement and how that process happens. And that's that's important, I think. And, you know, that's important for anybody in business world, for athletes, you know, chess players. Um, I think that there's a there's a there's um, really some efficient and good ways to improve skills and practice, uh, and 
areas like learning piano have they've you know hundreds of years of history of of of, of honing down how you do that um deliberate practice you know instant feedback um having some sort of um tutor or teacher or supervisor or something who can give you that feedback and offer constructive criticism etc and i think those those things are really important and and that does seem to be the way that human beings learn uh, and learn the fastest um so i think those yeah those ideas have been quite important for me as well at the end of this fascinating conversation i asked wellen what the next three months for him look like well i'm yeah i'm here recording an album um so yeah very much focused on on the band at the moment um and yeah it's kind of taking up more and more of the time really so i think yeah i think that's going to be very much the focus uh, in in the studio every day um yeah i i i i, I did have um uh a sort of some parallel work um working in uh, music documentaries uh, radio documentaries and i'm kind of still interested in in that uh, it's great it's very good work the, again the band has sort of taken over um but yeah interested in thinking about different projects and things for that as well and uh, stuff that could be developed next year maybe as he mentioned making documentaries about music i decided to ask a bonus question on what fascinates him in making them and what his journalistic angle is it's an amazing uh, thing to be able to spend time researching and finding out about these very interesting things and meeting the people. Um, the first uh, first one I made was about Balkan gypsy music, uh, particularly brass and trumpet music. Um, and uh, it's just such a fascinating area. Uh, and it, it's a real privilege to be able to to find out about this, meet these people and kind of look deeply into the the culture surrounding it um so there's you know there's plenty of other things that uh, the stories that need to be told that haven't really been so yeah i i'm 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 interested in continuing that although you know every everyone's lives are so busy aren't they and so how to find the time to do it all but yeah I, i'm definitely interested in that we're almost at the end of this podcast and it has been such a joy talking with Llewellyn about many of the subject researched in earlier podcasts and their importance to music and business. Llewellyn, thank you very much for being my guest on this podcast. Martin, always a pleasure um, and uh, thanks for having me and I look forward to the next time we, we get to meet another time and carry on our conversation. If you want to hear and experience the band in which Llewellyn plays and composes, please go to prepofficial.com. I will post the link to prep into the description of this episode. Thank you for listening, and until next time. Don't want to miss the next episode? Subscribe to MB Creativity's iTunes or Spotify channel. If you would like to join the conversation, please send an email to martin at mbcreativity.com.